Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball. 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It is now the 30th day of March, 2017, wrapping up the daily podcast, and I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, let me tell you what I'm going to do today. I recorded an interview with friend of the podcast, Stacy Gatsoulias, whose name I can now pronounce, who is a wonderful writer, uh, prolific writer, fan rag, uh, uh, baseball prospectus, hardball times, all these great things that she writes for. And uh, a few weeks ago, we had a conversation just where we just talked about Red Sox, Yankees, and all sorts of other things and went down all sorts of paths. And I've not gotten around to editing it. And I said, do you know what? I'm going to play the bulk of it right now because it's a very enjoyable conversation between two people talking baseball like you do. So here is my conversation, or at least part of it, with the great writer Stacy Gatsoulias. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, um, you are a, a ter- terrific writer, a a prolific Snapchatter, and <laughs> I I almost never go on Snapchat. I don't get it. I don't want to have a filter where I look like a dog. Uh, right. I'm weird that way. I'm fine not looking like a dog. You are as big a Yankee fan as I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a pretty damn loyal Boston Red Sox fan myself. We are entering a brave new world of this rivalry. Yeah. Because not one member, I think the rivalry hit its apex between the 03 and 04 League Championship Series. I think we can all agree mm-hmm. on that. Right. And I'm sure there's a whole generation who is too young to remember that, who's sick to death of us yapping about it. But now no. <laughs> Nobody's left. No players left on those teams. I know. It's kind of crazy to think about, but we're all getting old. We've got to happen at some point. But it also is that when the two teams face off, there's not the automatic, like, reminder of, like, A-Rod's on one side or Teases on the other side. There's not some of the the earmarked players that you can point to. And so – you know, both teams have won a championship, a relatively recent championship, like within the last 10 years. And mm-hmm. so that whole, you know, when are we ever going to win thing is done. And and now there's players on both teams who don't really have the bitter angerness. I mean, the Red Sox, who are Red Sox fans mad at at this particular Yankee squad? And who do we who would we hate? And I guess besides Pedroia, uh, I mean, are there people? It's just like we there has to be. It's like a new cast has arrived right. for the rivalry, right? And it's not, hmm. yeah. Like we have to um, let them play a little bit to figure out who the new, you know, roles like the roles that were filled by the guys from years ago, who are now gone, like who are going to take their place. And it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of exciting, though, that both teams have enough young players where, you know, this could be going on for a while. Right. 
Well, you I mean, know? like this I, could be a whole new like ten year thing happening. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like the, as I look at the Red Sox roster uh, for the defending American League East champion Red Sox, and I, you know, I see that there's guys like, you know, my guys have players like Betts, like Bradley, like Benintendi, like Bogarts, who are like, you know, what? they're all pretty young. A couple of them have a World Series ring already on their finger, and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And I have to say, I know this is, I'm not supposed to say this, but part of me was like, man, I kind of want to see Moncada become the next cool big Red Sox player. As much as I love trading for Chris Sale and going for it and everything like that, there's part of me like, oh, but Moncada was supposed to be the best player in the minors. I kind of wanted to root for him alongside these guys. And, I mean, I know that's a uh, that's the kind of problem you want to have, that they flip them for Chris Sale and put them in that rotation. But I was like, oh, man, I like that they're building this young team from the bottom. And mm-hmm. in many ways, you're seeing that with the Yankees, that they're starting to build the team from the bottom. That is true. Although, and, you, guys, you guys better be careful. You know, don't piss Sale off and make him wear something he doesn't want to wear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's going to fly. In uh, in Boston, you know, <laughs> yeah, that 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 white. Could you guy, imagine? I can't. No, I can't. I mean, the Boston media is rough to begin with, but like, uh, oh my God, I mean, if he pulled anything like that, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about that White Sox team last year, and and few people ever will because you know, right. but. <laughs> That was a team that began the year where there was controversy over whether or not a child should be allowed in the clubhouse. Right. They should have known from that that the year was going to be just a disaster. <laughs> well, you know, the comedian Jimmy Pardo, who's because never not funny as a huge White Sox fan, was saying, like, no, you probably shouldn't have your kid in the locker room all the time. And what does it say about the manager and what the 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 flow of the team was that you know, you know who really keeps this team together? This eleven year old kid. And yeah. and so you have the eleven year old kid and then you have your biggest star player running around with a pair of scissors. That's just a weird year. Yeah, yeah that's the sign that it's a sign that maybe maybe it's time to break this team up. <laughs> And they did. I mean, they got um, they got a pretty nice haul from the Nationals for Eaton, which I was kind of surprised about. Like, I, I was surprised that that move was made to begin with. Like, I just couldn't believe that the Nationals gave up what they did for Eaton. But, you know, that was, the reason why that was, I didn't work in a front office. That was a panic move I don't understand. You know, I knew yeah. that the Nationals were trying to acquire Sale. Uh, and I thought he was going to go there. I didn't think the Red Sox were going to. I didn't think they were going to part with Moncada. I really didn't. And I didn't think they were really in on sale. When they got him and the Nats had egg on their face, they said, okay, we'll give you the same prospects to get Eaton. I mean, there was, look, at Eaton's not a bad player. I'm sure he'll help. But right. White Sox got two of the best prospects in baseball mm-hmm. for you know, and and for two players who probably won't be contributing by the time they're contending. I mean, that's a phenomenal job that they got. Yeah. 
Yeah, we got a Red Sox fan and a Yankee fan, and we'll talk about the White Sox. Let's get back to the Yankees for a second, because uh, give me your thoughts in terms of, I mean, the Yankees have some, you know, they have, uh, how do you pronounce his name, Glaber Torres, Glaber? I have no idea. I believe, I believe it's Glaber, but I haven't heard anyone say it, so. Man, that guy needs a nickname. He needs a nickname fast. He needs, like, you know, Jet Fuel Torres or something like that, because you, not, Glaber is just not going to cut it. I'm sorry, no offense uh, to the, the Torres family, but that name stinks. Um, well, his middle name is David. David Torres. There he's, you go. Yeah, he's Glaber David Torres. You can't call him G.D. Torres because that just opens up too many things to yell at him. Wait a minute. He was born December 13th, 1996. I think I could tell you what I was wearing on December 13th, 1996. Yeah, I was I was breaking up with my girlfriend. Think on that day. I was drunk in college on that day. <laughs> oh man, man, we could be his parents. Uh, pretty much, yeah. It's getting to that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. I know it's a terrible thought. It's a like terrible I'm about thought. to enter my my mid. 40s technically like I'm almost there because I'm going to be 43 like that's no longer early 40s <laughs> I'm 40 I'm going to be 45 in a couple of months I mean I'm, I'm having I'm having a nervous breakdown about this I'm going to be closer to 50 than 40 pretty soon yeah you know? yeah yeah when I realized I was closer to 50 than you know like when 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 was it when I realized that I was closer to 50 than 20, I was like, oh, and now it's like, oh, it's just bad. It's all bad. Do you know what the uh, – um, I talked about this on the podcast, uh, what I call the rule of seven. Have I talked to you about the rule of seven? I believe so, yes. Yeah, that's where I believe you don't really start following a team. The earliest you really start following teams when you're about seven years old. There's a few freaks mm-hmm. here and there, but it's, seven's a good – demarcation point of, yeah, that's why I really start following the team. With that in mind, if you're a Red Sox or Yankee fan who's 20 years old or younger, you don't remember the 2004 ALCS. Right. There are kids in college who say, yeah, that's a little before my time. (laughs) That's horrible. But think about, I mean, I think about how annoying our generation is when we talk about the, uh, you know, what those years meant. Right. You know, with, with the Boone home run or the, you know, the Veritech A-Rod fight or the Dave Roberts steal. That, for these people, that's like talking about, for us, hearing them talk about Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. Right. Right. Terrifying. Or even... We're even talking about 77 and 78. Yeah. Because I was only like three and four, so I don't remember anything about that. The first thing I remember really is listening to the radio and hearing the Yankees lose to the Dodgers in 81 because I was seven. Right. Look at that. Rule seven. Yep. I have a vague memory of the Bucky Dent game because I was at Mrs. Bianchi's house, her neighbor, uh, and she had it on. She's a, to this day is a rabbit Red Sox fan, and I didn't understand what was happening because, as I understood it, the play, you know, all teams play at the end of the year. They allow the Yankees, Royals, Phillies, and Dodgers to play in the playoffs. I thought that's how it worked. Right. 
<laughs> right. Um, like, I'm, I'm kind of happy that, you know, it's 2017, and you know me, I like writing about things in history, so I think that I'm going to do, like, a series on the 77 team, because they were the first ones to win for the Yankees in a really long, well, a relatively long relatively time. Relatively long, yeah. Yeah, so I think I'm going to do, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to follow the whole season, but I'm going to pick out certain games and highlight them and write about them. I think that would be fun. Well, you know what that team was? And and, and that team was historically very interesting because it was the first Yankee, it was the first kind of modern Yankee champion. It was the right. first, it was in the new, it was in the remodeled stadium. But it was also a team that didn't have a direct sort of tissue to Babe Ruth. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like Mantle play, Mantle and Barra played with DiMaggio. DiMaggio played with Garrett. Garrett played with Ruth. I mean, there was that. There was always sort of a progression that the one great Yankee team would have maybe two years they didn't go to the World Series, and then the next great wave of Yankee players, and that ended in the mid '60s. So right. you had the Roy Whites and the Chambliss and the Munsons and the Nettles and the, you know, Gidry and Sparky Lyle and eventually Reggie and, and, and Catfish, they were kind of, they were modern players without the tissue. Now, you did have Billy Martin managing and Yogi and Elston Howard and the coaching staff, but the players on the field were a real, uh, a real, modern Yankee club, and it was a very mm-hmm. different Yankee club. It didn't feel like it was – it was like a new inter, you know, intimation of the Yankees, and they looked different, they felt different, it was – and I think it was it was significant. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, it's funny. You can point to the beginnings of, like, the, the modern Yankees. You could point to that the same way that I point to the beginning of what we call now Red Sox Nation – that really began in 1967. That wasn't mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the Red Sox, you couldn't get arrested at Fenway for a while. It was empty. And there was, they wanted to build a dome stadium. They threatened to move the team at one point. And then starting with 67, suddenly the idea of the old town team and going to Fenway Park and that being part of the experience, that didn't really, that wasn't really part of the DNA until 67 and hasn't stopped since then. And I mm-hmm. think the sort of big brash sort of, you know, Yankee, you know, big budget Yankee and, you know, the swagger, I think you can point to that 77 team. I'm going to say something weird. I've said this on the podcast. His, I know I'm never supposed to say anything good about the Yankees, and if I was old enough to remember that team, I'd probably not say this. But I think historically I'm glad that team won. You know, it's such. It was such a great story. You know, yeah. the, the George, Billy, and Reggie triad, and Munson, and it would be. It would have been a shame to see that squad not win at once. Now, they didn't have to win in '78, but I'm glad that they won the '77 the team won because there was something about that team and what that meant for the city and what that meant for baseball. That right. I think that that's a positive thing. So go write about that. God damn it, you're a great writer. Thank you. 
Somebody wrote to me on Twitter, and I don't feel like I should be able to answer this. So what I'm going to do is people I know who are Yankee fans, who are guests on the show, I'm going to ask them this question because because I just feel like, you know what, this is, if I'm if a Red Sox fan answers this, it's going to be, I'm going to be accused of bias. So I'm going to throw it in the Yankee fandom to get your all, you know, your smart Yankee fans, not just so, yeah, you know, you know, just people you are vomiting on someone's shoulder, but like you know, people who know their shit, someone who remembers that Omar Moreno was a Yankee. Um, <laughs> the question I got was this: Jorge Posada, Hall of Famer or not? No, but he shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have dropped off on the first try. Mm-hmm. Like he now, was good enough to warrant, you know, like maybe like fifteen percent or even twenty percent, but definitely not a Hall of Famer. Just a very good player and a very good Yankee. What are your thoughts on like when you think of him? I mean, I mean he he's got his number retired now. I know. I think every Yankee other than Omar Moreno has got their number retired at this point. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's a bit overkill to have. Um, yeah, they're going to start using fractions and decimals soon because they're not going to have any numbers left. Yeah, I, I you know, I mean, look, at, I, I, I used to get on the Red Sox because until recently they didn't have Wade Boggs' number retired. And, yeah, you know, that was that, ridiculous. And you know, they haven't retired Clemens's number. I mean, I'm, and you know, it took them a long time to retire like Carlton Fisk's number, and it, and it took it took them getting to the Hall of Fame to retire Jim Rice's number. And at some points, you're like, guys, what what are we doing here? But then on the other <laughs> end of the spectrum, you have the Yankees, where, I mean, all right, Ron Guidry. Okay, Mattingly. Okay, I understand emotionally, Mattingly. Okay, but I mean, I'm going to say something mean. Roger Maris, really? I think out of that era, um, you know, the the dynasty and the, I think Jeter and Rivera should have been the only two that got their numbers retired. And, oh, and Bernie. I think Bernie also would deserve it, you know, because they always overlook Bernie and they always leave him out. And he was a tremendous player for the Yankees for a long time. People overlook that. So I think those three from the dynasty era are the only ones who should have, well, and Tori, I guess. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, I think 51 to, well, 42, obviously, because of, also because of Jackie Robinson. I mean, it's retired right. all over the base, but um, Mo definitely deserves that. There. I'm glad you said what you said about Bernie Williams, though, because he did. He has gotten the shaft in terms of his legacy. Whenever they heard yeah. the core, they talk about the core four, I would just right. roll my, I would roll my eyes because when when the Yankees finally won the pennant, it was Bernie Williams who was the man on that team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I understand the whole grouping the four guys together because they all started at the same time and Bernie was up ahead of them. 
Yeah. But it also, like you said, it does do a disservice to Bernie because, I mean, when they weren't doing their thing, he was. He was the, he was the man in 96. It always felt disrespectful to Williams. And you know, here's one other little thing for, for uh, Yankee fans to remember. In the Bloody Sock game, where I was attending, I was in the stands for the Bloody Sock game, the one Yankee hitter who was able to go, who broke Schilling's shutout was Bernie Williams, who hit a solo homer off of Schilling. Mm-hmm. He was the only guy to get to the bloody sock was Bernie Williams. I will never and forgive Tory for not bunting on that asshole. I, I'll tell you, you I, I think I may have told you this already when you were on before, but when I was at that game, I was there with my friend John, who was a kind of a big, tough Brit, and his wife was a journalist and got tickets to the game, and uh, I was working with John on a project, and he knew I would be there, and he was like this kind of rugby-loving Brit who wanted to, he wanted to fight, and I was like, John, sit down, sit down, we're not getting into a fight in the bleachers at Yankee Stadium with me wearing a Red Sox hat, let's just watch the game, <laughs> and you know, he's a big sports fan, and I said to him, I said, look at, you know, because the Red Sox had won those two extra inning games to stay alive. But I was still like, you know, the Yankees are just, you know, that that just basically gave dignity to the series, that it wasn't a sweep. But I said, we're back here. And, you know, I still was kind of resigned that, all right, well, at least they didn't lose at Fenway. And at least Schilling's going to give it the old college try. But I said to him, I said, I don't know if his foot's going to snap off of his leg and he's going to walk around like Peter Spivacent with a peg leg at some point. And I turned to him at the beginning of the game and I said, if I were the Yankees, the first nine batters, I don't care if I'm Matsui, Posada, or Rodriguez, I'm laying down a bunt and forcing him to run off the mound. Because I said, this ain't a charity game. You win If they win this, they go to the World Series. So if you're saying yeah. you're good enough to pitch, then you're good enough to field your position. And I said, right. I said, watch the first. I said the first nine batters are all going to bunt just to wear them out. And I don't think anyone did. Because no. Tory was, a, I'm not going to say the word, but Tory was a wuss. <laughs> all right, I want to have your favorite postseason memory for your team that wasn't on a world champion team. And I guess I almost have to say besides the Boone home run, because that's almost too easy. Uh, right. But like, and your favorite Yankee, I guess besides Mattingly, to not win, to not get a ring. Hmm. hmm. Uh, well, Winfield. Okay. Was yeah. Another one in the 80s that I liked. Um Non world no you mean non World Series winning teams? Like the yeah, ones, like, 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 a, like a great playoff moment. Well, they didn't win in 01. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I was at the game four uh where Tino hit the get the home run with two outs in the ninth to tie it and Jeter hit the walk off. Oh, that's gotta be yeah. That's got to be more satisfying to remember the 1999 World Series against the Braves, which nobody remembers. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because 99, um, 99 was the first year that I had season tickets, and I had tickets to game four of the division series. They swept. 
I had tickets to game six of the ALCS. They won in five. And I had tickets to game five of the World Series, and they swept. And I was rooting against Clemens in game four because I wanted to go to a World Series game because it would have been my first one. And that fucker decided to win really like he actually pitched well enough to win that game. And I was so angry with him. <laughs> you know, yeah. the one, did I ever tell you the one year that I had a season ticket planned for the Yankees? Um, I mean, it was not like a, like, it was not a huge season ticket plan, but it was one where I had a plus, like, like it was like you get a bunch of Friday games, and I mm-hmm. and I had a bunch of Friday games, and I also it meant that I could get a ticket for the division series, the league championship series, and the World Series. And this is when I was there mm-hmm. in the late the late nineties. And do what yep. year it was? Ninety eight. Ninety seven. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm a Red Sox fan. I hate the Yankees, but you know what? I can go to the World Series. So like, I'm thinking, like, okay, I'll watch them lose to the Braves in the World Series. I can deal with that. And so mm-hmm. that, that series against Cleveland, I yeah. had a ticket for game, I'm going to say game three or four of the ALCS. And mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, the Yankees rallied. They had the time run on second. I'm thinking, like, oh, man, I'm going to go to the ALCS. This is going to be amazing. And then I'm probably going to go. Don't go. To, don't beat Baltimore and go to the World Series. This is going to be great. And they lost to Cleveland, and I was so pissed. And I'm like, damn it! You know what? I'm not going to renew this. I don't want to go through this and find myself mad that the Yankees lost. I'm not going to deal with this again. And of course, they went on to win the next four pennants, and I could have gone <laughs> to the World Series. So the one time I actually was like, hey, I'd like to see them in the World Series, was the one time in the Tory era where they fell flat on their face. Well, that night against Cleveland when they lost that game, uh, you know, O'Neal legged out that double, and we thought, ooh, you know, maybe something's happening, and then nothing yeah. happened. Um, I was still in Oswego because, you know, it took me a little while to get out of college, yeah. and I threw my TV remote into my refrigerator, and it broke into lots of pieces. <laughs> Why the hell did you do that? Well, I was angry. Oh. I misinterpreted that during the rally, you decided to throw the, the, the remote inside your refrigerator. Like, that was good luck. I'm just like, that's yeah, a strange no. thing. Good luck. Got to chill my remote. No. When the last out happened, I threw it. Um, the 2003 ALCS. Game one, when Moose was given up home run after home run, I bashed my hand into my table in my apartment. And the next night, I went to game two with a brace on my wrist. And the guy next to me, he goes, what happened to your hand? I said, Moose, last night, I punched it into a table. And he gave me a high five with my good hand. <laughs> That's a good fan. Because he's fan. like, wow, you're a good fan. I'm like, yes, I am. I know. Thank you. <laughs> And and, I, and you are, even you have to admit that it was great when the Red Sox won in 2004, right? No. <laughs> no. If I could go back in time to October 17, 2004, and break Dave Roberts' leg, I totally would. Yep. No, you don't even have to. You just have to run on Wakefield or bunt on Chilling. Nope. I'd break his leg. 
So okay. I wouldn't have to hear his name for the rest of my life. Man. Man, you went there. Poor Dave Roberts. I did. He's going to be on crutches. All you have to do is lay down, lay down every a time I see him. Killing. Every time I see him, I think of that effing steel, and I want to kill him. Yeah. Well, I hate it. All right. Well, I look at uh, I got it. What do you want to plug? Uh, well, they can read my stuff on FanRag Sports. They can read my stuff on the Hardball Times. I just did another random box score piece last week. I think I'm going to try and do those once a month because I like doing those. Those are fun, and people seem to like them. Mm-hmm. Um, I also write for Beyond the Box Score and Baseball Perspective Perspective. Baseball Prospectus Bronx. I write about the Yankees over there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey, Stacy got Sulius. <laughs> yes. I have to say your name slowly. All right, that my dear. Good. I'll see you in the interwebs. Okay. All right, talk to you soon. Okay, bye. All right, seriously, folks, go to sullybaseball.com, and I have a link there. Follow Stacy. She's a wonderful writer. No matter where she posts, she does great, great stuff. Have her on your podcast, too. She's a lot of fun, and, and you know, thanks for having you on, my friend. Uh, go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Twitter, on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Solid Baseball Daily Podcast for the 30th day of March 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.